0: I just feel like everybody's from so far away? Wow, I sit back. Thank you for being here this morning. Um, we're going to be okay. continuing in the book of Romans. I'm going to jump off I'm into the scripture as quick as I can. But anybody who was style. here last Sunday, was that not phenomenal? Like the Lord doing something mm-hmm. massive. There was what seemed like not a dry eye in the sanctuary. And the pews were filled because everyone was up front just trying to get a piece of Jesus. Uh, I want that again, but I want to communicate to you that the Lord's going to give a fresh anointing for today. That last Sunday was for last Sunday. This Sunday is for right now. And in this moment, there's a piece of His character that He wants to impart to you today. And... If there's anything hindering that, it's not, let's have the mentality of trying not to go there. See, that's walking on eggshells. Egg that's concentrating on the wrong thing. That's not it. If anything is hindering us from being close to the Lord, you know what the remedy is? Stepping close to the Lord. It's that simple. Letting no distraction or, or anything else. Let me just say, let's distract us. So this morning, I'm just going to open up by saying, the enemy would love to grab your attention today. To grab you away from what's in his word. But don't let that happen. Um, if you can, which I think is really cool, we're not going to do this like, out loud right now, but during the sermon, like, pray for the person next to you, that they're receiving it. Because as a family, like it's one thing for you to jump on your own side. We're all on our own side, right? I'm for me. Word tells us not to be for yourself. It tells you to be for Jesus. Side with Jesus against yourself. But here's what I'm saying. When I'm on the person on the side who's next to me, and we're arm in arm, fighting, spiritual warfare, praying for one another, man, that's, I don't move mountains right there. This morning I want to move mountains, amen? Amen. Yeah. So let's just, let's just continue with that, with that mindset. Um, we're, in, we're in Romans here. And uh, we're going to be looking at verses... 16, 17, and 18. <clears throat> and what was last week's message? We saw that Paul in his letter to the Romans, this whole chapter in, in end of three, middle of three, uh, through four, and I think even before, three, if I'm correct, we're in this speaking about justification by faith. Right? And not justification by works. But what has been brought up is this individual named Abraham being named Abram before the Lord changed his name to Abraham. Now, Paul is speaking to the Roman church about this dude. And what we talked about last week was the picture of Abraham was exactly the same as the gospel. That what happened with Abraham in the moment where the Lord told him to come outside of the tent or building or whatever he was in. Look up to the stars and say, I'm going to give you descendants that number the stars. Now, this man is in very old age. Right? For the Lord to say that to him, is like, no, that's physically not possible. But he made a promise. And it says that here in quoting Old Testament scripture, which is uh, Genesis 15, specifically verse 6, that uh, Abraham believed and it was credited to him as righteousness. We don't know what was said in between that. Nothing was probably said as much as Abraham just he said, okay, that's the type of faith that the Lord is asking us to have, to not question, to not say, here's my circumstance, Let me set that up against who you are, God, and compare. First of all, there is no comparison. Second of all, where did we get that mode of operation? I'll tell you where it came from. Fear. It came from a lack of trust, which we might be dealing with at the end of service today. Uh, We dealt with that at the end of service, beginning of, excuse me, the end of first service. But here again, Paul's using Abraham in this issue of, of circumcision, Which back in the day, uh, Jews held circumcision on such a high pedestal that if you weren't, they figured, well, you just can't have an experience with God. You can't. It was a letter of the law type thing. So Paul's getting at justification by faith and not justification by works. That there's nobody in here who's good enough to do everything that the word says, the law says, and then be justified and have that basically saved so the Jews take this thing called circumcision they put it up here and they say to the Gentiles, look, you can't have an experience with God because you're not of this practice. What the Lord does with Abraham is he has an encounter with him. And Abraham's faith in Christ, excuse me, in God in that moment was so, uh, it was so, how do I say it, pivotal, revolutionary, big. Take all those descriptive words and just throw it on there. All right? that this happened while Abraham was not circumcised. And then it says some 14 years later, I think, in chapter 17, that Abraham was then given the sign of this circumcision so that he could speak to the Jews. So he was rele- uh, relevant to the Gentiles, having encountered God without being circumcised. And then the Lord said, I am going to make you relevant to the Jews as well in being circumcised. That's the gospel, ladies and gentlemen. Being relevant to every man, whether you are a churchgoer or not. Whether you think Sunday morning is important or not. Whether you think Wednesday night, whatever. Apparently we have, we have Wednesday night Bible studies, we have Tuesday night Bible studies. But where in the word does it say that it's supposed to happen on Tuesday and Wednesday? Nowhere, whatsoever. So it's speaking to every man who is, of the long, who is not of the law? Do we get that? Do we understand that? And then Paul jumps into verses 16, 17, and 18. And it brings us to the title of this message. Let me read this scripture real quick. And then I'll get at this title. It says this in verse 16. For this reason, it is by faith, in order that it may be in accordance with grace, so that the promise will be guaranteed to all the descendants, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all, as it is written, a father of many nations have I made you. In the presence of him who he believed, even God I love this part, who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist in hope against hope he believed, so that he might become a father of many nations according to that which had been spoken. First of all, there's just so much in there. I, don't, I was really only going to try to break out verses 16 and 17, but what I want you to understand about these verses is that 17 is what gives, how do I say this, accreditation or backs up verse 16a and verse 16b. But before we get into that, explaining what this division uh, in uh, certainty, I almost said clarity, sorry, divided by certainty, to give a little bit more of an understanding of what I mean by that. Division is oftentimes seen as a word that's like bad, because in the word it says, "Let there be no division in your house, amongst each other, unity is something that's huge but division isn't necessarily something that is can, can always be a negative thing if it separates good from evil, if it separates life and death. I am certain about something, therefore it causes me to make a decision to not be in the gray area. Does that make sense? There's a certainty in who Christ is so that I know that everything else that isn't him, uh, there's clarity there. Does that make sense? So. I got reminded of when I was a college pastor, somehow or many years ago, and Beth can probably attest to this too. That you know, when you sit down and you deal, these kids they call you up and say, "Hey, I need to sit down and talk to you." There's two things that they usually want to talk about. It's Jesus and relationship with the Lord, or it's relationships. <laughs> For whatever reason, it can start anywhere, but it usually ends up like right there with those two things. Um, and that's not a bad thing. I'm not trying to lump all college kids into that, uh, whatever you want to call it, category. I, I figured maybe as I said that, most of you guys would kind of smile. But everyone in there is like, "So?" Do I feel you pain? back. It's like a tough crowd. I'm, like, I'm not have to get up all to my side and come back in, and sit back down and just restart. <laughs> I don't know if it's six de mile or whatever. seven is. I'm not going to say that in Spanish, but that was two days ago. Come on, guys, wake up. Right. Here's what I'm saying, is that in my counseling these kids, what I would say to them is, you know, the first quarter century of your life, 25 years, you're really trying to like figure your life out. Okay? Whether you graduate from college, those, those years afterwards, whether you graduate when you're 21, or 25, or whatever the case may be, figuring out who you're going to marry, where you're going to live. It's just a time in your life. from Young, adolescent age to that moment where you're just trying to figure stuff out. I say to people look like you don't have to know where you're going to go. You don't have to know the details of what you're going to do every day, day in and day out. But here, here's this. At least know where you won't go. At least decide what you're not going to do. At least figure out the places in your life where you will not find yourself. The, The thoughts you won't let yourself think. The situations that you refuse to find yourself in. See, it's one thing to say, well let me just back up a little bit, certainty about where you are will bring division, but it will bring separation from that which is not Christ and bring you closer to that which is. Does that make sense with that title? Well see, the same thing is going on here in these scriptures, and I haven't done this in a while, but sometimes what you can do is you can read the scripture backwards go from verses 18 to 17 to 16 and it'll give more clarity to what's going on in here. Are you guys with me this morning? Yeah? yeah? Now, in saying that, we have to understand a little bit more about the next part of Abraham's walk, Abraham's journey with this promise. This boy just promised something that was well outside of his capability, especially his wife's capability. All right? And what happened was, any, anybody in here named Sarah? No. Okay, good. Because I had one last uh, service and I felt bad because I called this a Sarah moment. And it wasn't necessarily a good thing. So if your name's Sarah, hey, it's not a bad thing, okay? Just referring to Sarah in the word. Sarah is Abraham's wife, right? So this promise gets made. Abraham. And for a while, it didn't look like this was going to happen. So what Sarah did is she jumped in front of the Lord. Anybody ever done that before? No? Okay, just me. Alright. So you got some honest people in here. Sure. i Jumped in front of the Lord and here's where Ishmael comes in. Sarah said, why don't you just take my maidservant and because we're supposed to have kids and I can't, let's just jump in front of the Lord and put our hands on it and let it be a Sarah situation you know what happened from that? The nation that came from Ishmael, and the nation that came from Isaac, are still fighting today. Still in, in, in contention with one another. Why? Because the promise was supposed to come through Isaac, not through performance through Sarah's word. Does that make sense? The Lord's gonna promise you stuff. He has promised you things. But you tell me where he asked you to put your hands on, or me to put my hands on. That's that's just not biblical. But yet what is biblical is the representation of what it looks like when we do put our hands on it and mess it up. Right? Now everybody in here you're not bad people, but we are capable of messing things up. But guess what? There's more. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. There's more. Oh my goodness. Abraham has Isaac. Has this child that was promised to him that through this child many nations or er, you uh, would have descendants in many nations. Right? I'll and start. Now the Lord speaks to this man and says I need you to walk up the mountain with a hair to give a sacrifice. Abraham's, well, I don't have a lamb or a goat or a ram or whatever the case may be to go sacrifice. And the Lord says to him, I will provide it. Gets up there and says to Abraham, I need you to take Isaac and put him down on the Sacrifice this promise that I made to you and then brought to fruition. Can you imagine that? Has the Lord ever promised you something and then asked you to give up the very thing that you promised? You know why He does that? To make sure that we are more in tune with the promise giver, the gift giver, than the promise itself and the gift itself. <clears throat> it's like holding a rose in your hand, open palm or closed palm. It's a gift. Closed palm and he gets removed. Ooh, that's going to hurt. A little prickly whatever is everywhere. Thorns. Ouch. He says, just hold it like this. Right? So in this moment where Abraham is spoken to outside of his tent, in this moment where he's asked to sacrifice his own blood, if we read in verse 17, this is, this is the type of faith that Abraham had that's being put on display that the Lord is asking us to partake in, and here's why. Let me just read it. Let me just read it before I make the next segment. Let me just read it. Verse 17. In the presence of him who believed, even God, who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. First and foremost, there is certainty in that statement, that if that is who God is and who He says He is, then that separates my faith from the wishy-washy, hoping and wishing of the world, and puts me on solid ground knowing that the God that I serve is one who conquered death and can speak to death and bring life from that. Does that make sense? That type of certainty will divide It will separate. It will get you out of the gray area. Do you know what the Lord did to Sarah's womb? He spoke life to a dead womb, And from that came Isaac. Now, the reason why Abraham didn't even hesitate to raise his arm and almost kill his only son was because if he had faith enough to believe that life would come from a dead place, his wife's womb, he trusted and had faith enough that if he killed Isaac, the Lord would bring him back to life. Do you understand that? That certainty, ladies and gentlemen, I hope it divides. I hope it separates black from white and we no longer sit in the middle called the gray area where we say, oh, I don't know if my God can do this. He speaks things into existence that don't exist this is a character trait of the God that you serve. My question is, do you have faith in that? Do you believe in that? Because when you do, it activates something. And we'll get to that. We'll go read a little bit above that. Verse 16. Let's get verse 16 up on the screen there. There's four things in here. It says, for this reason it is by faith. In order that it may be in accordance with grace. So that the promise will be guaranteed to all the descendants. (coughs) And then it basically says to the Jews and the Gentiles after that. Those who are of the law and those who are of the faith of Abraham. But those four things, faith and grace. Let me make this real clear. Those two go hand in hand. It's a both hand. You can't have one without the other. Do we understand what grace is? Grace is the ability to do something that you cannot do on your own. Sarah and Abraham were given grace to have this child they could not do it on their own. But the Lord, in his mercy and unmerited favor, said, It will be, and I will call into existence that which does not exist. And it's because of grace being saved by grace, not being saved by faith. It's because of grace that we have faith. See, what you're dealing with right now, I don't know what it is. I know that the Lord is in this room because of the posture of heart, like I said at the beginning, of everybody who came in here. You came in here with real stuff. Ain't nobody in here trying to be fake. love that. When that's the case, man, the spirit can move. I mean, do you hear me? The spirit can move. But the thing that you're dealing with right now Hear me when I say this. You can't fix it on your own. You need grace. You need it. In this moment, you do. Now, there's stuff I'm trying to put my hands on right now. And the Lord's like, son, if it's not in you, don't preach it. So I'm in this spot right here getting convicted on this one. (laughs) I take my hands off stuff. The ability to do it. In the power of the Lord and not in the power of self. It's because of that that you have faith. It's because of a God who can call things into existence that don't exist. And he can speak life into a dead situation. That faith, there's a picture being painted in this this scripture right here. And I'm going to sum it up like this. The essence of faith is that there is no other plan. That's what faith is. See, we can go through our, our daily, I don't even know, just our, our, our mode of operation and how we think about things, mental gymnastics, and come up with every possible scenario of how something could play out. And guess what? Usually, 99.9% of the time, none of them happen. Not a single one. Because it happens in his timing. But there is no other plan. Hear me when I say that. If you were to think about your life from now, beginning to end, and plan it out for yourself, it'd be a nice straight line. You'd be ascending because you'd be getting better in whatever it is. And look at that on a graph. Sorry, guys. That is not how the Lord planned it out. And there's obstacles that can be viewed as stumbling blocks that get turned into stepping stones. That as you look back, you say, there's no way I could get over that. But I did because of grace. And because of that, I'm going to put my faith in a God who says, who is who he says he is. You guys hear me say that all the time? You checking with me? Mm -hmm. So again, for this reason, it is by faith in that in accordance to grace, this promise can be guaranteed. What better guarantee than to be backed up? by kingdom resources, to be backed up by Jesus himself. Now, to better explain this in terms that we might be able to understand more so now is, you know, some of you guys might have some cash in your pocket. Uh, got president's faces on it, and numbers, and signatures, and you know, all kinds of crazy stuff. If you have it in your pocket, I mean, I, I, like, I would like that. Maybe put some cash in my pocket would be good. Again, man, you guys are just asleep. That was a joke. I'm not trying to take your money. I'm just saying, (laughs) yeah. But that note, that piece of paper is backed up by something, right? It, It means something only because there's a certain amount of gold sitting somewhere. But somebody said, hey, this is the currency, right? Do you know that faith and grace is the currency of the kingdom? And the promise that was made to Abraham was guaranteed because of faith, because of grace. So that, ladies and gentlemen, the promise that was made to you—that what the Lord says to you—not only through His Word, but through the times where you've been down in the basement or in your car—and He spoke something, and you knew it was Him, and it wasn't the pizza you ate last night. All right. But He made a promise. You know that promise is guaranteed by a Father, by. a a Jesus, a God who speaks life into death and calls things into existence that don't exist. Amen. That, I'm certain of. That would divide me from any wishy-washy, Lord, you know what? I don't know if you're going to show up. Yeah, you're going to show up. Because you said. He said. He spoken to you. He yeah? And if you walk out of here changed in any way, let it be that you are encouraged and strengthened in your thought process and what you let yourself land on in your thought process. If you let yourself land on anything that says maybe if, the Lord is a gracious God. He'll bring you right back around to that same spot until you learn it until you learn that, look, there's no other way. The essence of faith is that there is no other way that it will happen. So also let it be a relief that you don't have to do it. Don't. He will give you the ability to do it because we can't do it on our own. This promise was made sure that it was by grace. So that it could be guaranteed to the descendants, and I want to read this in the Amplified because I don't do this a whole lot, but it it gives some good language to it, and I just want us to be able to hear this because sometimes things said in three or four different ways can can hit us hit us differently. But this is this is Romans four verse sixteen in the Amplified. It says, "Therefore." Inheriting the promise depends entirely on faith. Therefore, inheriting the promise depends entirely on faith. That is, confident trust in the unseen God. In order that it may be given as an act of grace, His unmerited favor and mercy, so that the promise will be legally guaranteed to all the descendants of Abraham not only for the Jews who keep the law, but also for the Gentile, for those Gentile believers who share the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written in the scripture, I have made you a father of many nations in the sight of him in whom he believed that is God who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. Now that first part right there, Inheriting the promise depends entirely on faith. I'll say this. The promise was founded and given by grace, but it's realized by faith. Does that make sense? It was founded in grace, but it's realized, experienced, inherited by faith. You know what that means? There's a transaction. And when our faith is in Jesus Christ, That currency activates something. When our faith is anything other, I'm sorry, but I I can walk up to the cash register with Monopoly money, and they're going to look at me crazy. Because that's not backed up by anything. But what is backed up is that promissory note by the U.S. government. There's more paper being printed now than there is gold to back it up, but we won't go down that road (laughs) as a real thing. But is this making sense? Slide your faith across the table and watch the Lord start stirring stuff up. See, this morning, I think that's what it is. We need to slide our faith across the table and then watch Him start stirring things up. Faith in what? Announcing God who is who He says He is. Verse 16. You with me? Turn over to... Uh... What is it here? Hebrews 6, is that right? Yeah. 13 and 15, 13 through 15. Hebrews is speaking about Abraham, and it gives more light to what's going on here. Verse 1. I love this. Amen. If you're going to rest on anything, rest on this right here. I mean, rest on all of it, obviously, but let this encourage and build you up. Verse 13 says this, For when God made the promise to Abraham, since he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply you. That's the promise. He swore by himself, saying that. 15, And so, having patiently waited, he obtained the promise. The promise came to fruition. For men swear by one greater than themselves, and with them an oath given as confirmation, is an end of every dispute. In the same way, desiring even more to show to the heirs of the promise, those who would receive the blessing because they were descendants of Abraham, the unchangeableness of his purpose. You know that God's purpose is unchangeable. There is no amount of sin that you can jump into that will outdo God or change His purpose for your life. Hey, catch me on that. There's no amount of running that you can do that will change His purpose for your life. He will get you. Who? Huh? This is funny. I mean, it's not funny at the moment because it's usually more painful than it is funny. Right? But does that make sense? Unchangeable purpose. Unchangeableness of His purpose. Interposed with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things, in which it is impossible for God to lie, can I get an amen? Amen. amen? Is it anybody who is it is impossible for this man, Jesus, God, the Spirit, to lie to you? So why would He promise you something and then say, mm, "I'm good"? <laughs> Can't lie. And he said to Abraham, "This will come to fruition." He's saying to his kids this morning, he's looking at you, he has his hands wrapped around your heart saying, I will be to you everything you need me to be. If you just trust me. Because I can't lie about it. We can lie to each other. But I'm so grateful that the God that I serve, when he says something, he's going to do it. I don't deserve him. To do it for me. But that's where grace comes in. And that's why I have faith. Amen? I'll yeah. oh, just keep reading stuff. It's just good stuff. Right? You cannot lie. We who have taken refuge, and this is still in Hebrews 6, um, this is middle of verse 18. We who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. Take hold of this promise, take hold of this faith, take hold of this principle of grace that is unchangeable. Verse 19, this hope we have as an anchor, as an anchor of the soul. Anybody ever been pushed here and there by every wave, the wind of doctrine, the trickery of men? All right, that's in Ephesians 4 11 through 16. you are supposed to have the fivefold. To equip the saints, to bring us to the measure of the stature that belongs to yourself, no no no, Jesus Christ, He's the measuring stick. For a purpose, and this is our our church's uh, foundational scripture, the fivefold, to equip everybody to become a mature Christian according to Christ so that we don't get pushed here and there by every little thing that is said. You know what that's saying? Get a picture of the purpose of your life and it's, it's a picture that's on this wall and it's got all kinds of colors and, and shapes and it's just beautiful, alright? If anything raises itself up that doesn't fit in that picture, you don't even need to mess with it. That's why you need to pray for that purpose in your life. For that picture. What does that look like? You tripping with me on that? So that we're not pushed every which way by some little flipping thought. Oh my gosh. He's saying, let there be certainty in who I am to anchor your soul so that when the waves come, you're good. Or, you just ride with the wave, right? and you're all right. You guys with me this morning? Ooh, yeah. Let there be division because of certainty. Certainty in who he is. Uh, I just got to read the rest of this. Uh, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, and one which enters within the veil, where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. The other cross-reference that I want to read is Ephesians 2. Uh, Verse 8. Do we have that on there? Yeah. Marie verse 9 as well. But it says this, for by grace you have been saved through faith. That's another way of saying it's through grace that the promise is founded and given on grace. But it's through faith that it's realized and experienced. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Does anybody have faith in their performance in here? How well you can get something done? Let go of that giving you any kind of confidence in yourself. Because although the Lord may be showing you what you're capable of, Realize that he's even showing you that through grace. He's showing you that even in your performance, it's by him that it's even happening, that you're even able to perform. So let's take performance and put it in Jesus' court. I don't want to kick performance out out of a conversation. No, let's just put it in its right place. Everything good comes from him, even from those who don't believe him. You understand that? If the Lord were to walk out of our life right now, everything would fall apart. I mean, everything would just disintegrate because He's holding it all together. When you come to that realization, man, there's just some confidence issues that you cease to have because you have confidence. Because you just walk into a place and say, guess what? My God can call life out of death. You with me? So this verse 18, as we get ready to close here, let's get our worship team back up here and get prepared for our offering, as well as it's the first Sunday of the month, almost missed this last service. We got communion. But this verse 18, um, Romans 4 here, as I get back to this. It says, in hope against hope, he believed. So that he might become a father of many nations according to that which had been spoken and promised. So shall your descendants be. The hope against hope that's being spoken of here is a, is a is a natural hope. Raising itself up against a supernatural hope. The natural hope is what we can see. That Abraham is too old. His wife is too old, but the supernatural hope is the promise. So it's hope against hope, it's the supernatural hope against the natural hope. It says that he had, in hope against hope, he believed. So against all odds, he believed, so that he might become a father and fulfill the promise. You know what this means? That this birth of Isaac was a miracle. It was straight a straight-up miracle. But guess what? It wasn't an immaculate conception. The Lord did not somehow do as he did with Mary and put his seed in that woman, and here comes Jesus. Abraham and Sarah had to do what married couples do in order for this to come to fruition. Understand what I'm trying to say here. In the midst of the promise, it wasn't that they just sat back and did nothing. So I'm telling you this morning, if the Lord has promised you something, it's not that you sit back and do nothing. It's that you do all with the character of who he is. You put all of yourself into who he said he is, and you let him tell you what to do. Uh, are you guys with me this morning? In hope against hope, everything says, you know what Abraham is there. don't do this. Cause it can't happen. And they had to have active faith. I'm telling you this morning, you have to have active faith. And active faith, and here's the here's the the fine line, it doesn't mean going and doing and performing. That's not what that means. It's not being it's it, it means sometimes sitting and listening so that the God who has the uh, directions can give you the directions. And then you go and you do it. Amen? So let's let's get prepared for our offering up here this morning. Um, I do know that the Lord wants to do something with us today. I don't know what that is. We're going to spend the last half of this half last be right here. Be right here. Last little bit in the as well. and, um, We're going to spend the last little bit of this time trying to figure out what the Lord would want to do with this group of people who. You guys have come in here so free today, which has allowed the Spirit to come in. But Father, God, thank you so much for the fact that anything that has ever been created, anything that has ever been formed, has your name on it. It has your sign and seal on it, because you spoke it into being. Lord, that means every tree, every human being, every rock, and every bit of resource that has ever been created came from you. That means that what you've given us as far as resources is all yours anyway. So Lord, I pray that as we give this morning, we can have that in our mind that, Father, it's come from you. There's no other place that this stuff originated, money or wealth, or anything is. originated. You want your children to receive that, so Lord, I pray that you teach us how to give, so that we can learn how to receive as well. I pray that we give from a joyful place in our heart, Lord, and that you would just bless whatever gets put in the offering, so that we can continue to bless you with what you to ask this church. To Their life to you for the first time, transfer the trust of themselves to you. For everything in their head becomes hard knowledge for God. They realize that this, this salvation is a gift. There's nothing they can do to earn it. You definitely don't deserve it, but God, you want to give it this world. If there's anybody here who wants to receive Christ for the first time, just raise your hand. Put your hand up In Thank you, Jesus. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to get up, come down to the center aisle, and get communion here, and just return to your seats, and I'll, I'll kind of pray us through. left here, just give what you need, go back to your, back to your seat, and we'll continue. This represented your flesh and your body. The sacrifice in that, Father. As you walk to the cross, it would be be, battered, torn apart. But it was for me, it was for us, it was for all mankind. Lord, we take that little wafer that we have in front of us and we eat that in remembrance, doing that in remembrance of him, just like you told your disciples to do that. Father, we thank you. Our heart thanks you for the opportunity to even partake. Picked up the cup, you passed it around. And you told us that this represented every drop that was spilled. From the moment that you were taken away in the garden to your last breath, and every drop of the blood that was spilled in between, that was enough. That was sufficient. Father, the blood was spilled, and it was the only thing that would count as a a sufficient purchase or uh, sufficient sacrifice to cover up sin and to make it as if I had never sinned before. Lord, we take that cup and we drink it. We do that in remembrance of you. Father, Lord, we just pray that you would work on us right now. We would see what we're doing this communion stuff as a way to just get right. Refocus ourselves and you are
1: Morning and wants to touch us afresh, like available for us is a fresh impartation, fresh activation. And for that to you happen, know, you have to send something up and pick something up. You have to allow him to come up on you fresh and, and energetic. Holy Spirit's so good. I'm having fun. I don't wait you guys, but I'm having fun. Woo. Holy Spirit's good. The joy of the Lord is your strength. See, the joy of the Lord is one of those things that really hits the religious spirit because people don't like it. Ha, ha, ha. People don't like it. I think we are supposed to be the most joyful people on the planet because we know. Ha, 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 ha. fresh touch for us. So if you want that, you want to set it down. Your fear, set it down. Everything that stops you from encountering the fullness of what God has for you, I ask you to stand right now. Just stand where you are. presence and your peace right now, as people want to encourage you, I pray for a fresh activation of faith, fresh activation of faith. Just be with Jesus. fresh
0: You need, the Lord's spoken to you. You need prayer on something. That altar right there is open. I'll pray with you. My leaders will pray with you, God. you need to just get before the Lord, Be quiet, that altar open as well. But well, Heavenly Father, thank you for one another. Prayer. I pray that as we hold the hand of the person with a heartbeat. is no other way
1: Did so it quit playing? It did. I okay. got it. Hmm, that's odd. Yeah. strange. It's almost like a battery went dead, but you yeah. got 86%. You shouldn't have quit playing? I don't know why. something that still makes noise so I always just mute all yeah. the yeah. channels. Yeah. <laughs>